Hey everyone, some very exciting news to share. Recode Decode has been named the podcast of the year by Adweek. Take that, Michael Barbero. No, he's a friend of mine. Too bad, Michael. I still won this one. Thank you so much to all of you for an incredible 2019. We're so delighted and proud to bring you this podcast every week, and we are looking forward to a bigger and better 2020. Now on with the show. Support for this show comes from Slack. You're a growing business, and you can't afford to slow down. If anything, you could probably use a few more hours in the day. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens, with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. Hi, I'm Kara Swisher, editor-at-large of Recode. You may know me as someone who put all my money into Bitcoin a couple years ago, and that's why I have to do this podcast until the year 2095. But in my spare time, I'm just a reporter, and you're listening to Recode Decode, a podcast about power change and the people you need to know around the tech and media industries. We're part of the Vox Media Podcast Network. Today in the red chair is Ben Mesrick, the writer of several best-selling books, including The Accidental Billionaires, which is about Mark Zuckerberg and was adapted into the movie The Social Network. Ben's latest book is called Bitcoin Billionaires, a true story of genius, betrayal, and redemption. And it focuses on how Zuckerberg's former enemies, Tyler and Cameron Winklevoss, the Winklevi, sought redemption in cryptocurrency. Ben, welcome to Recode Decode. Oh, thank you so much. I've long wanted to interview you. You know, I, I, I have lots of stories around The Social <laughs> Network and Accidental Billionaires, which I love that book. You've written lots of books around various I have. mathematical and, and things. And I can't believe we haven't sat down I know, until now. Yeah. I know, but you know, it's a good time. It's perfect. Yeah. So I want to talk about the Bitcoin book, but also uh, uh, Accidental Billionaires and sort of years later. Sure. It looks like you were right. Um, <laughs> I think we got Zuckerberg right. We got right, Zuckerberg for right, sure. for sure. So let's talk a little bit about your background so people get a sense of who you are. You've written lots of books, and one of them was here at Harvard, right? Is there MIT? Right, it, MIT. So right. I've written 20 books at this point, um, which sounds like a lot, but people really read only two of them. But uh-huh. I have written a lot of books, and the first successful book I wrote was called Bringing Down the House about the MIT blackjack team, right. which was made into the movie 21. So, yeah, I've always written kind of true stories, written like thrillers about young people doing crazy things. Why did you interest in that first one? So I that was, was a, a terrific book. Yeah, I was a fiction writer. I was right. I wrote for The X-Files. I used to write sort of medical thrillers, but unsuccessful ones. And I was sort of wandering around looking for a story, and there was a local bar um, here in Boston that I used to hang out at. And there was this group of MIT kids, and they had tons of money, and it was all in $100 bills. Uh-huh. And I couldn't figure out why they had all these $100 bills because you don't see those in Boston very no. much. And I started going to Vegas with them. Um, and so I fell into journalism. I, I didn't intend to be a nonfiction writer. And then I joined the Blackjack team to write that story. Mm-hmm. And so that became my first uh, nonfiction book and then my my first bestseller. And so that shifted my career from writing sort of sci-fi thrillers to writing nonfiction. So how did you get to Mark? Because you yeah. were there early. You really yeah, were. That I book was, was uh, I had started covering him maybe around then or before. Right. Um, but everyone was aware of Facebook, but it wasn't a big company. No. People don't remember when it wasn't a big company, but it really wasn't. It was, I met him very early on in his tenure there. Yeah. I mean, the way it happened for me and uh, um, was out of the blue. I got an email from a senior at Harvard, and this had to be 2000 and seven or eight, so early. Uh, really early. And he said, my best friend founded Facebook and no one's ever heard of him. 
And it wasn't Mark. So I had heard of a Mark Zuckerberg, but nobody else. And I went out for a drink um, in Boston at a bar called Bar 10 and in walked Eduardo Saverin. Mm -hmm. Eduardo had never spoken to anybody else. And started the conversation by saying, Mark Zuckerberg fucked me. Mm -hmm. That was the opening. And so since I was at that point a journalist, I said, tell me more. Mm -hmm. And he proceeded to tell me the story of these two kids who had met in an underground Jewish fraternity who couldn't meet girls. And, you know, it was all Eduardo's point of view um, Mm -hmm. and how Mark had hacked and made face smash. And so the whole story that ends up the social network, Eduardo proceeded to tell me this crazy story. And I found out years later, it was this Machiavellian move because he was in the midst of this lawsuit to get Facebook to settle with him. And to acknowledge his co-founder status. As co-founder. But the money was really the deal. Right. He got and so a lot of it. I thought this was a great story. He never really intended for me to write a book. I wrote a book proposal. Um, it was a 14-page What, what appealed proposal. to you? I want to understand yeah. what— Because, I mean, we all covered him, and it was yeah. it was one of the many. There was MySpace, which was sort of right. doing really well. There was, there was a whole bunch of them at right. the time. Well, what really appealed to me was two things. One, there was this Shakespearean drama between— Two best friends, Eduardo mm-hmm. and Mark. And Eduardo had put up the $1,000, which was the greatest investment in the history of the world at the time. Eduardo was a wealthy guy. Yeah, from, he was a kid from a rich family right. from Brazil. And he had been two kids in a dorm room who had come up with this story. And then I found the Winklevoss twins. So basically, after talking to Eduardo, I went on Facebook and I Facebooked mm-hmm. the Winklevoss twins. And I, I started meeting with them and they started handing me these incredible documents because they were in the midst of their own lawsuit. Right. And there was this incredible drama there, not just Eduardo. Eduardo and Mark, two friends being torn apart, but also the Winklevoss twins who claimed that their idea had been stolen and they were the archetype 80s bad guys. I mean, they were the guys in the skeleton costumes chasing the karate kid around the gym. Uh And meanwhile, there was Zuckerberg, who was at the time this revolutionary who was attempting to change the world to fit. Mark Zuckerberg. Mm -hmm. So my thesis, which has been argued with many times Mm -hmm. um, by Mark, (laughs) was that these were kids who were not social stars, who were not good at meeting girls, who were trying to reorder the social world around the internet. Uh, And MySpace had attempted this in a way. Um, Friendster had attempted it. But this was different. This was personal. This was Mm -hmm. your own profile, who you were, and meeting people, poking people at the mm-hmm. time. And I was really turned on by that. I mean, it was this drama. And I have to say, you know, the first person I sent it, I, I called my mom. And I was like, this is the story. And she goes, no one's going to care about Facebook. And then I sent it to Kevin Spacey because mm-hmm. at the time I had been doing 21 with him. Mm-hmm. And their first reaction was, no one's going to watch a movie about Facebook. So right. initially it wasn't well, this was idea that was going to be this huge it, thing. It was little. It was gaining on. Yeah. Gain. And you were very early in this too. Yeah. I mean, you were talking to Mark before Mark became – Mark. King, yeah. right? right? And yeah. and uh, and so it was very early, but I well, saw this It was a dicey time for them. They were in a very yeah. small office in Palo Alto right on uh, University Avenue. And, you know, there was there was a sort of a hot and cold running executive team. They just kept changing. And, and there were lots of funny things going on with some of the engineers. And right. it was your typical startup, but it certainly wasn't leading. And MySpace certainly had most of the attention at right. the time. And then there was Friendster before that, obviously, and a bunch of social. There was lots, and Google had Orkut and everything else. Yeah. And it wasn't entirely clear that Facebook was going to prevail until really they got the Microsoft investment. Right, that but, became a big difference. Yeah. And, I, you know, but what I saw was was a, a sea change in the world going on. I really did believe, and I was sold on it as well, that the idea that this was the origins of something that was going to change all of our lives. Mm-hmm. I, I felt that from the very minute I met Eduardo and he started to tell me this story. And so I was interested in the drama of it from a thriller Hollywood point of view. Uh, but I was also interested in, I try and tell origin stories. I mean, mm-hmm. that's what I've tried to do my whole career sure. is I won't write a story unless I think, 
this is the next thing. You know, right. I was a big fan of Michael right. Crichton. I wanted to do what he sure, did. And you always seem to write something, and suddenly we were all talking about it. Right. And so that's what the, I And then you introduced, obviously, Sean Parker. So I got to know Sean. Interesting mm-hmm. enough, Sean's mom was a fan of my Vegas story mm-hmm. and had told him he should talk to me. So I went out to California. And well, these people are not shy. And, right. So. <laughs> spent a couple of days with Sean. Yes, he was amazing. And uh, so Sean was a major source. The Winklevoss twins were a major source. And Eduardo was a major source. And then that was where I started. Um, now, Mark would not talk to me. Right. And, you know, I spent a year trying to talk to Mark. I would eventually they said I could send them questions mm-hmm. and that kind of thing and they never responded. But it all happened so quick. This is pre-Cheryl Sandberg too. This yeah. is pre- Pre-Cheryl. Yeah. Um, but the way it had all happened was so I had written this book proposal. It leaked onto Gawker. So mm-hmm. Gawker.com printed my whole book proposal. Mm-hmm. And that day, Facebook settled with Eduardo for what became $5 billion. Mm-hmm. And if you read the settlement agreement, it says he may never speak to Ben Mesrick again because uh-huh. they were trying to cut off the book. Right. So Eduardo cut off all contact with me, sent me a legal restraining order. Well, that's a um, lot of money. Broke up with his girlfriend who was right. my wife's best friend, and he moved to Singapore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, $5 billion. It's so a lot. Nobody would talk to me again for $5 billion. Right. I get it. I might not So that was the moment also. Yeah, Aaron Sorkin saw yeah. it and called and said he wanted to write it as his next movie, and David Fincher saw it and said he wanted to direct it as his mm-hmm. next movie. And so it all kind of exploded overlight. And at that point, I had to write the book, so right. I locked myself up. And it was up a different book. kind of book. It wasn't exactly sort of – there's been a lot of Facebook books since yes. then. It wasn't sort of this happened, then this happened. It, no, was, no. it was much more – Well, I write thrillers. So my goal yeah. is to tell a true story but write it in a cinematic, thriller-esque way. And and people have been – you know, have not, have had problems with it. I mean, yes. there's definitely controversy yeah. in the way I write nonfiction. But I felt it was a very true telling of that year. Now, Mark will disagree, right. but I believe Eduardo and Where is Sean, he right in disagreement with you? Well, when the book came out, he called me the Jackie Collins of Silicon Valley. Um, <laughs> and uh, he was not very happy with yeah. me. Um, he definitely said that, you know, it wasn't about getting girls, that he had a girlfriend. That is true. Well, I disagree in this. All right, I'm going to push back. No, I, I like the pushback because yeah. here's my feeling about this. So he didn't actually get serious with her until the end of the sequence that takes place in the social network. Okay. In the beginning of the social network, the idea that they were getting groupies in the, yeah. in the bathroom, that's all from Eduardo. And Eduardo was there, and there were other people who I spoke to who were also there. It wasn't like he was dating is- someone from the very beginning. But I understand. But my point wasn't that he was out trying to get laid with Facebook. Right. The idea was this was a social order. He was not the Winklevoss twins. Right. True. He but was. He's, he had. You know, I'm going to push back because I've yeah. been at parties with him where people have done that to him. Or when he at the beginning, right, right after he got the in big and billion dollar investment right. from Microsoft, I think that was what it was. We were at a party, and oddly enough, it was at Peter Thiel's house, and. I was like, oh, girls are going to come up to you. And he, there were 20 girls that came up to him, and he could have cared less. Yes. And, like, he, and he's like, why would they do that? And I'm like, well, you have a billion dollars. It's certainly not your, you know, your suave manners here right. that's going on. And it was interesting. I think motivation for him is very different. Than, I think that's what, he did have a problem with that yes. a lot and talked about it a lot because right. it, it isn't his motivation. But the way you just described it is exactly right out of the social network. Right. I mean, that's exactly how he would have acted in that movie. I can see Jesse right. Eisenberg acting like that. So it wasn't well, Jesse like— Eisenberg talked more than Mark does. Oh, yeah, that's absolutely true. But way the, too many words. The idea isn't that, like, the, right, you're exactly right. It's not that he was going to parties and now I've got Facebook and now I'm going to meet girls. It was, this is a social order that works for a guy like him and Eduardo. These are geeky guys who hung out on their computer most of the time who wanted to live online. They right. believe the world is a better place if it's this village. Making connections. Right. Yes, it's, the Facebook was supposed to be this but village. But he's a very commanding person has always been that way. He's not like a shy geek. He's not, no. I wouldn't say he's shy. He's 
he's not he's changed in the way that he's able to communicate much better than he used to. Right. And he's practiced at it. You could feel Oh, like he some, changed dramatically. I mean well, from when you first interviewed him and he's sweating through his hoodie yeah, to who he is today. He's changed. He's, he's very dram- volatile now. It's a dramatic difference. Yeah, I still think he has the same mentality, but yes. what was interesting what I want to get to in this it, it, people have quibbles with your thing. You got him right at the heart. I think, which was this incredibly aggressive person with a point of view that was so strong that it overwhelmed everybody else. And it was a point of view about connecting the world where there could be no mistakes right. because his vision was so great. Right. He's megalomaniacal. And he believes when he does something and we disagree with it, we're wrong. Mm-hmm. And he continues that path he until – and you know what? He's been proven right over and over again. I mean, everyone says, I'm going to leave Facebook. And more people join Facebook. Mm-hmm. So in some ways, he's been uh, validated in his views that he's right and everybody's wrong. But this, of course, is a dangerous personality mm-hmm. when you're running a company that's in all of our lives all the time. Well, I think he also has the element of that he doesn't think he's big. That's mm-hmm. the, you know, the power. That, I've never seen someone push away power so much, say, oh, I, it's the community, oh, it's, mm-hmm. and have all the power. That's what I always found fascinating is that, mm-hmm. like, we all have to decide together. I'm like, well, let's all have a vote then. Right, because right, right. Because we don't. You have one you vote, have one power, vote, right. one man, one vote. And and it, it's interesting. You did get that at the beginning of he wanted the power of everything. Right. I don't think that was pushed on by Teal or anybody else. No, no, that, that was, was him. I mean, right. that was him. Um, I, think I think he understood power I think in really a lot well. of ways the social network gets these characters correct. It mm-hmm. gets Sean Parker right, I think. It gets, oh, yeah. it gets uh, oh, yeah. Eduardo right. You go further uh, you know, And one. it definitely got Mark right. Mm-hmm. I think that's it. I think it's the Winklevoss twins which now I would say All right, well, we let's got wrong, and we'll get that. to that. All right, yeah. so the movie comes out. I remember right before it premiered, he was very upset. That's oh, yeah. that's the sweating interview. That's when that that's happened. Right. One of the things he said to me that I thought I did have some sympathy for him, he goes, this is what people are going to – people are going to see this and think I'm that person and I'm not that person. Right. And I was like, oh, it's a movie. What do you care? You're also Mark Zuckerberg. You get to have a – like, what do right, you care? Right. And it was an interesting conversation because he – that really bothered him, that this would be mm-hmm. the version of him that would go down in history. And which, you know what? I personally believe the social network was the greatest thing that ever happened to Mark Zuckerberg. Tell Facebook. me why that. And I'll tell you a number of reasons. First of all, if you remember the sequence of what happened. Mark doesn't think that. The way he reacted to the social network. Well, first he went after it, and then he embraced it. He yeah. went on Saturday Night Live. He gave $100 million to the Newark school system or mm-hmm. Trenton school system. I forget. He, mm-hmm. he was on the cover of Time magazine. It created this mythology about Facebook that changed Facebook. He did him a favor. In, uh, an enormous <laughs> way. I don't think the IPO would have been the IPO without the social network. Uh-huh. We wouldn't be talking about, I mean, at the time, people were telling me that some large percentage of, of applications to Harvard had stories in them about they had watched the social network and it made them want to go to Harvard. Oh, it changed a generation of people of how they thought about Silicon Valley and entrepreneurship. Uh-huh. And so for better or for worse, it created the legend of Mark Zuckerberg. Mm-hmm. I mean, Jesse Eisenberg is more Zuckerberg than Zuckerberg. Yeah. And Justin yeah. Timberlake is more Sean Parker than Sean Parker. So he was right in that this is how everyone is going to remember him. But I think it's better for him, that everyone remembers him as Jesse Eisenberg. I, it is true. It's a really I mean, he was a lovable nerd. People yeah. loved Jesse Eisenberg. It wasn't like a oh, hatred. I, he's so lovable I think he's way worse now because of what he's doing in reality. Well, the perception of, the things, of Mark now is incredibly you know, negative. When he didn't embrace it because he was like, I'm not going to – I'm like, come to the premiere with me. I was invited oh, to the You were the reason behind that whole no, thing. No, not at all. It took uh, him a while. I think yeah. it was Cheryl and others worked on him. But, you know, I was like, make a joke of it. Show up, meet Jesse Eisenberg and go – 
you look like me. Like, do right. things like control the narrative. I was like, control the narrative. That's control the best the way to do it. But he was, you know, I think it was just vexing that he didn't have control of the narrative. Absolutely. And, and that's, that's the reason was. he didn't talk to me as well is and because so he couldn't control what I would write. I think he made right. a big mistake by not sitting down and just talking to me because the reality is the way I write my books, I mean, Janet Maslin is one who calls me the billionaire's best friend. Uh-huh. I, I, I <laughs> worship my characters. <laughs> I love my characters. Yeah. And I turn them into heroes so because that's my goal. Winklevoss were kind of goofy in that movie. So in the movie, the, Win- the Winklevoss twins in that movie were the alpha males. They right. were the, the bad guys in an 80s movie. They were the dumb jocks. Mm-hmm. When I first and met played them, that way. I met them in a hotel room, and when they right. walked into the room, they reminded me of everybody who chased me around high school, and right. I was hiding in a locker from the right. Winklevoss twins because right. right. I was a, a little nerd as well. And so a lot of that has to do with how I wrote Accent of Billionaires. A lot of it has to do with how Aaron Sorkin wrote The Social Network, and a lot of right. it has to do with how Army Hammer and all his airy glory played the Winklevoss yeah. twins. But they really were this opposite of Zuckerberg. I mean, you see them in person. It's a spectacular opposition of people. Mm-hmm. But I got to know them after the fact and discovered much more about them. Um, so when I wrote Accidental Billionaires, I knew very little about them beyond their personas and their anger towards Zuckerberg. Yeah, they look like dumb jocks, really. I mean, they, they come across in a ver- as very intimidating, jocks. as very large, blonde, privileged right. people from this billionaire Connecticut family. Mm-hmm. And so, yes, so that was an unfair portrayal, I feel like, in some ways. I think it works. The meme aspect of it is amazing, and I think there is this juxtaposition going on, but the reality of them is much different. I mean, they're incredibly smart guys. They They speak multiple languages. Um, To become Olympic athletes, you can't just be a dumb jock. I mean, the amount they put into it. And the fact that they became part of this Bitcoin revolution is not an accident. You don't get struck by lightning twice. You know, right. it's very unlikely. Who has second acts like this? Right. Um, which is why I frame the whole book like the Count of Monte Cristo, mm-hmm. um, where you, you know, it, it's like they disappeared and suddenly ride back into town with their right. billions. There's more going on there than people so realize. So talk about the reason you were focused on Bitcoin, because Bitcoin has yeah. gone up and down and up and down. Crazy. And it's got, it sort of reminds you of the early internet at the yeah. same time. There's all these sort of con men and uh, I mean, it's, it comes from a shady place. It comes from shady, shady uh, you know, anarchistic libertarian crazies is mm-hmm. the one who started Bitcoin. Right. I never had any interest in Bitcoin. I think the word blockchain is the worst word ever invented. It makes me <laughs> nauseous. It's just a horrible concept. I'm not a math guy. I was had no interest in Bitcoin. Um, and then a year and a half ago or two years ago, I read this headline in the New York Times um, that said the Winklevoss twins were the first Bitcoin billionaires. Right. And the reason that made me interested was because I saw them as everyone else saw them. Mm-hmm. I wrote the book that was a social right. network. They were the dumb jocks, the big blonde guys. How could they possibly be mm-hmm. billionaires in their own right? Right. And so I called them up out of the blue. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I, they weren't angry with me happily right. or maybe right. a little but not so bad. Went out to New York and met with them again. And I saw them in this new role. They were pushing crypto. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they really, really believed. And they proceeded to tell me why they believed. And it changed my view of what Bitcoin is. Mm-hmm. I understood that criminals were using it to buy drugs. I understood that it the price was well, just this insane it's thing. A speculative. But the idea behind it, a sort of the of future course. of money, it really turned me on. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't about the math necessarily, mm-hmm. uh, but it was about the twins, about the guys in suits who Larry Summers throws out of his office are suddenly behind this weird revolution. Mm-hmm. And that seems strange and to me. And they were market makers. Right. And, it, it, you know, they own Gemini. They own uh, mm-hmm. cryptocurrency now. Um, so it was this juxtaposition of the guys you didn't expect 
with all these libertarian anarchists and the Roger Vares of the world and, and these kind of crazy personalities, that's what really got me interested in it. In the next section, we're going to talk a little bit more at the specifics of where Bitcoin mm-hmm. is right now. But what got them into it what, from your yeah. perspective? So what happened was – so they settled with Mark Zuckerberg. and they had and, all this money. And, and, and the book, the way the Bitcoin Billionaires opens is the settlement uh, was kind of an insane situation. So basically, Mark was – pushing back, pushing back, pushing back. They were trying to get him to settle um, because they really believe he stole their idea. Mm-hmm. And finally, Cameron says to Mark's lawyers, we're all just a bunch of kids who went to college together. Let's just all sit down in a room and talk it out. No lawyers. Let's just sit down. So they bring this presentation to Mark, and Mark's lawyers come back to the twins and say, you know what? He has some concerns. And it turns out he was afraid they were going to beat him up. And so he said, the only way I'll meet with you, I'll meet with one of you, And they met in a glass room in the center of a law firm, and all the lawyers sat in a ring around this room. This is true. This is what happened. Cameron goes into the room with Mark, and they have a conversation. They come out of the conversation, and Mark settles with them for $65 million. Mm -hmm. They didn't like this settlement, Mm -hmm. so they took it in stock, which ended up being a brilliant thing because after the IPO, it became worth hundreds of millions of dollars. And they decided to become Silicon Valley investors. Mm -hmm. So they went out to Silicon Valley and tried to invest. And nobody would take their money. Yeah, I remember that. Because too. everyone's end game is to sell to Facebook, mm-hmm. and Mark does not like them, so nobody wanted to touch their money. So they went to Ibiza to party, and they were on the beach of in course, Ibiza, right? I mean, that's what you do, right? And uh, and they were hanging out on the beach when this strange guy came up to them and said, "You guys are the Winklevi, right?" And having seen them in the movie, and they said yes, and they said, "Have you ever heard about Bitcoin?" And they had not. Mm-hmm. They had flown to Ibiza. And had beaten their money there. Mm-hmm. So they had tried to book a villa in Ibiza and had gotten there and their money hadn't arrived yet mm-hmm. because of the way money transfers work. Mm-hmm. And so it was this moment when someone was pitching to them on this instant cryptocurrency and they were having financial problems because they had gotten there before their money that kind of dawned on them that maybe there's something here. And I think it was Cameron, it might have been Tyler who said, this is either the next big thing or it's bullshit. But mm-hmm. that for them is where their journey they started. looking for it. Okay. When we get back, we're going to talk more about Ben Mesrick's recent book, Bitcoin Billionaires, a little more about Facebook. We're here on Recode Decode. Support for this podcast comes from Constant Contact. If you're a business owner, you already know that it's really, really hard to cut through the noise of everyday life. If you want to connect with your customers, you need to break through the noise. You need Constant Contact. Constant Contact is a marketing platform that makes it easy to reach new audiences, grow your customer list, and connect over email, text, social media, and more. Whether you're a marketing guru or just learning the ropes, Constant Contact offers writing assistance tools and automation features that make it simple to say the right thing at the right time. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey. 
instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. We're here with Ben Mesrick, his the author of Accidental Billionaires, which is about the beginnings of Facebook. His new book, his newer book, is called Bitcoin Billionaires. It's about the Winklevi, the twins who settled with Mark and moved into Bitcoin. Talk about how how important the Winklevi's role was, because it really has been. In yeah, the, in Bitcoin, I think it's been enormous. Sure. So and the, Bitcoin, explain for those who yeah, don't know, who don't know very, what Bitcoin very is. Quickly. Yes, so Bitcoin is digital money. It's money that I can send directly currency. to you, right? A currency mm-hmm. or a store of value, depending mm-hmm. on what you believe that I can send to you instantly via my phone or a computer the way you send a text or an email. There's no middleman. There's no bank between us. There's no government between us. So it's different than Venmo or PayPal. It's something that I could send a dollar to someone in India instantly over the piping of the internet. And so it's very intriguing to people who don't believe that there should be governments behind money, who don't believe that there should be a bank in between me and you when I send you a dollar. Because what is currency but a trusted relationship? Exactly. And so the value of Bitcoin is entirely in how much we believe it's worth. It's very similar to gold in that respect Mm -hmm. um, because gold is only worth what we agree it's worth. And there's only a limited amount of it. And it's limited to exactly 21 million coins. Mm -hmm. And it was started by this crazy, mysterious guy calling himself Satoshi Nakamoto who launched it on the world in, in 2029, 20, 2010 on a white paper on the internet and then vanished, never to be heard from again. And this person is probably not Japanese, probably not just one person. I get an email from a different one every week. I'm sure they come to you all the time to say they're Satoshi Nakamoto. Yes. And, and whoever it is, is gone, yeah. is either dead or in jail whatever. Or, or whatever. But anyways, once it got started, it really picked up after the country of Cyprus went bankrupt. Mm-hmm. This is the moment for Bitcoin because at the time, Bitcoin was in the tens of dollars, yep. and then Cyprus went bankrupt, and the government that night to solve their bankruptcy problems went to everyone's bank accounts and took 50% of your money if you had over 100,000 euros. And all of these rich people in Cyprus realized this can happen. Mm-hmm. A bank can just take your money. A government can just take your money, and they wanted a form of money that couldn't just disappear overnight. Right. Interestingly enough. So they went into Bitcoin. Um, The twins bought in at around $7 a coin. Do you know I had Bitcoin? I lost it. Did you have? I did a story because, um, what's his name, Wences Casares. I was doing a story on him right at the beginning. And he's like, try it out. And so I bought 10 and I put them on a hard drive. 10 Bitcoin. And... Don't you know lost where the they hard drive. Lost so they the say something drive. like a full 10% of Bitcoin oh. is just gone, right? I don't know where it is. It's $100,000, right? Is that correct? Uh, that right now, it's at, well, today. It depends on what day we're in, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but it's uh, about $80,000 to $100,000 right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's crazy, well, right? That's it. So that's the twins it. bought 200,000 Bitcoin. It. They yeah. bought 1% yeah, of all Bitcoin. You spent $100 on it. You spent $100 and Bitcoin. you made 10 grand and then you lost 10 grand. Oh, I don't know where it is. No, yeah, no. 100 grand, 100 grand, right? 100 grand. Yeah. Right? Somewhere. Somewhere. I it's know. in a garbage somewhere. All these people I know are just, I don't when, even when know Bitcoin exploded, number. everyone's like looking for their old hard drives yeah, and old computers. I, just, I, I go through them every, I have boxes of them, so yeah. no. You should gone. look, because you were in that world. You I probably was. do it. There were used to be websites called faucets you would go to yes. where they would just pour Bitcoin yeah, into your computer. Yeah, I did a story about it and then moved along. Yeah. Yeah, whatever. 
You could be a billionaire right Yeah, now. right. Okay, sure. <laughs> so the twins bought 1% of all of it. They yeah. bought 200,000 coins. And then they became Bitcoin proselytizers. Right. They went around the and world. also investing in tools and everything They else. invested in BitInstant, which was by Charlie Shrem. Mm-hmm. This is another big character in the story. It was an 18-year-old kid living in his mother's basement who was in the Syrian Jewish community. He was in this very kind of restricted world, and his escape was the Internet. Mm -hmm. He discovered Bitcoin early, started a company where you could buy Bitcoin um, because at the time it was very hard to buy Bitcoin. Yeah, and store it. Yeah, you had to buy it from these shady sites in the middle of nowhere. Mm -hmm. Um, So he created an American-based company, and the twins were his first uh, or second investors. Mm -hmm. So the twins invested $1.5 million in his company. Roger Ver put up the other money, and he's another great character who's this kind of crazy anarchistic um, mm-hmm. libertarian who, who was in jail for a number of years and then fled the country and, and lives in Japan um, and was known as Bitcoin Jesus. Mm-hmm. So these were sort of the investors in BitInstant. So the twins invested in this company and began traveling the world, pushing this new form of money. But what's interesting about them is they became sort of this liaison to the Wall Street world Mm -hmm. because they're the guys in suits. Even though they were the bad guys in the social network, they came with this hue of respectability. They weren't the libertarian anarchists on Silk Road buying drugs. There were a lot of companies. Like them, there was bunches of people suddenly trying – like Wences and – People started to move into it. Um, Uh, And you're absolutely right. A lot of it was storage. A lot of it was creating a market for it. Mm -hmm. And then there were other coins, other Uh, other There were all these other coins and trying to figure out – some of them were respectable. Some of them were just fly by night. Mm -hmm. It was a crazy time, and what the twins, I think, brought to the table was this idea that it should be regulated, that mm-hmm. it should be part of the financial sure. system, which mm-hmm. at the time was very much um, controversial in that community. Right. Because a lot of people in that yeah, community want to use it. Right. They want to use it to not pay taxes. Some people want to use it to beat you know, to not have to be involved mm-hmm. with government or but things the, the, like that. Like, just like the internet, the good concept behind it is that currency is badly done for most people. And most right. people across the globe do not have an availability. They're unbanked right. and they don't have a currency that's stable and could disappear, unlike the United States. Right. And so the concept behind it is actually a very optimistic one, that's just right. like the internet. Like just, right. it's a freeing, just like early social media. It's very similar to face, mm-hmm. what Facebook promised to be, right. which was to give all. you the power over your own world, right. over your own wallet, the same way Facebook was supposed to be over your own profile, your own life, your own data. Uh-huh. Um, so the idea is you don't need a bank, you don't need a government, you just need you know your little electronic wallet, mm-hmm. and you can walk into a store and buy something. And one of the interesting parts, though, is the difficulties of doing that, just like that, mm-hmm. how they had cut up all their, um, their yeah. codes. What is it called? Some yeah, so you get your hash. Your hash um, so yeah. when you buy Bitcoin, you get this string of numbers, and that is your Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. So security becomes a really big part right. of this whole thing. So what the twins do, which is kind of crazy, is they printed it up on little pieces of paper, and then they cut the paper into little pieces, and they fill a backpack with it, and they went across the middle of the country and got safe deposit boxes, right. all in these little Midwest banks, and would fill them with these pieces of paper. So their billions in Bitcoin is spread over all these Midwestern banks right. that have no idea they have more money in a safety deposit box than they right. have in their entire bank. Right. Um, and that's the way they keep it secure. Then they get back to New York and they put on um, goggles and got sledgehammers and they smashed the computers that they had downloaded their hash on. They smashed the routers. They smashed mm-hmm. the printers so that nobody could steal um, or steal them, right? That's the other yeah, thing. Yeah, I mean, you definitely – Bitcoin has interesting security issues because it's like carrying a safe of gold around with you all the time. Right. If it's on your phone, you could have millions of dollars on your phone. And right. so, you know, there have been kidnappings. There have been things like that. Um, I know people who keep it on a ring. They 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 have their Bitcoin hash on a ring or they tattoo it on their body. Things right. like that have well, happened. Well, then people get stolen. Uh, Brad Garlinghouse used to work for Yahoo, just like an executive at Yahoo, then right. became CEO of Ripple, and now he's got bodyguards at yeah, I mean, it's a little scary because if bizarre. people think you have Bitcoin, you know, 
once they take your Bitcoin, they have your Bitcoin. Right. It's not like, you know, you can trace it or get it back. It is like gold. Yeah, yeah. it's very much like so gold. So where is it going to go from here? So yeah. what are they doing now? Because the price goes up and down. People yeah, don't really the price understand. Is crazy. It feels very tulipy. Right. Well, here's the thing about Bitcoin. The price isn't necessarily the best way to view where Bitcoin or cryptocurrency is going. Mm -hmm. It's all the infrastructure being built around it, all the companies around it. Right. I personally believe that Bitcoin is going more like gold. It's not going to be a cryptocurrency that we use to buy things every right. day because the price is so volatile. And we'll get to Libra in a second. Right. And we can. But, but, the, but the idea of it as a store of value, of a way of hiding your money away from the mm -hmm. troubles of the world, I think Bitcoin has an important place there. So like gold. Like, it's like gold. It's yeah. like gold, but better because it's gold that I can carry around in my phone, that I can mm -hmm. transfer instantly. Um, that's liquid. It's liquid gold, um, which I think is, is, it makes it very valuable. So I see Bitcoin continuing and going up from here. Now, I'm not a guy who, who recommends anything. I, mm -hmm. I owned Pets.com and right. WorldCom. Every stock I've ever bought She's is down to zero. She's got a good company now, though. Right, right. There's an came back. Right. Real, real. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm not a financial person in any way, shape, or form. Mm -hmm. But I, I, I know the twins believe it's going to be a quarter million dollars a coin one day. I think there's a lot of people who believe very strongly in it. And I see the value in it. And so I, I do believe that, you know, it's part of our future. In a way to generate wealth. We'll talk a little bit quickly about the other coins there are. There's right. Lots. Well, there's lots of coins. I mean, there's Ripple. There's all these other coins out there. The question is, what's going to be the coin that we're going to use? Right. Right? And so Libra was an attempt at that, we'll I think. Libra okay, we'll get to that. <laughs> uh, but the idea of a coin that we're going to use, I personally believe it will be probably a stable coin. Mm -hmm. It will be a coin that's tied to other other fiat currency, um, because that's something we can all understand instantly. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not going to be something successful, in my opinion, until people like my parents are going to use it. Well, isn't and, the dollar Bitcoin? Really? Well, the dollar. If you think about it. Like, the dollar's it, only issue is that it's American, right? And, and but I think it's that a global currency now. It is, and it isn't. What's going to happen in twenty years? You know, mm -hmm. where's China going? Right. What's really going to be the global currency twenty right. years from now? Is it going to be the dollar? Yeah. I mean, there's no reason to believe right now that so what, our economy is going to be the big economy. What are the doing now that are so they run a company called Gemini, mm -hmm. which is a, a crypto exchange where you can buy and sell currency. And the difference between their exchange and other exchanges is that it's New York-based, that it's at some levels guaranteed by the New York financial system. Uh, their goal is to have it completely regulated in a way that you feel mm -hmm. safe just like you put your money into a bank. And not just Bitcoin. Um, they're attempting to do an ETF. I mean, right. they were trying to do that for a while. Which and get controversial. Right. Um, and uh, they're getting into these uh, nifty tokens, which, you know, I don't understand what it is, but I think it's uh, some form of... Uh, objects you can buy are the same way people buy trading cards and things like that. Mm -hmm. But I think for them, Bitcoin and and being the Bitcoin exchange or the exchange for all these different cryptos mm -hmm. is their future. They believe this is a big part of our world going forward. And so I think Gemini, you know, became something very big. It's grown. I don't know if you walk in there, it's insane. You walk in and it's like three floors and on Park Avenue. And the way they make money. It's all... As an exchange, so as just like exchange. a, so they're taking um, a fee. you know, the big uh, the big exchanges are worth billions of dollars now because of the amount of money that's traded through these exchanges, and they get a fee, um, a partial. Yeah, there's a fee, and then then there's their bitcoins. You know, they still have, as far as I know, two hundred thousand bitcoin. Right. I mean, they haven't dumped it. They believe very strongly in it, so they've got it's a, a billion, almost two billion dollars in bitcoin. It's a holder, they say. H O D L. Yeah, whatever. Holders. Whatever. Yeah, hold on for dear life. Yeah. Um, so they are holders, and they're also running the big exchange. I think Gemini is on its way to being the biggest exchange. All right. When we get back, we're going to talk about where it's going further with Libra and other things. Mark Zuckerberg's back in the Winklevoss faces. <laughs> we're talking here with Ben Mesrick. He's the author of Bitcoin Billionaires. He's also the author of The Accidental Billionaires, which is about Facebook. This is about the Winklevoss twins and also about Bitcoin changes in currency. We'll be back after this break. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. 
Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. We're here with Ben Mesrick. He's the author of Bitcoin Billionaires. He was also the author of the book that became the social network, The Accidental Billionaires. So now Facebook is into it with, uh, yeah. with Libra. Yeah, so this is really they crazy. Oh, yeah. Jesus. This is where it gets crazy to yeah. me. Now, I truly believe that the Winklevoss twins and Mark Zuckerberg are locked in this crazy battle and will be forever. <laughs> I believe they wake up with anger towards Mark every day because uh-huh. they feel he stole Facebook. And right. he wakes up every day thinking about them. What and my proof of that is Libra. How yeah. do you launch a coin, a crypto coin, and call it Libra after your mortal enemies launched something called Gemini. Yeah. It can't be a coincidence. Wow. I actually got into a Twitter war with David Marcus over this. Oh, very much disagreed with me yeah. um, and said he came up with the name Libra. And I yeah. said, well, yeah, but when you pitched it to Mark, did it not dawn on him that this would look <laughs> a little weird? Um, so Mark attempted or is still attempting Mark would pick Scorpio, uh, but go ahead. something called Libra, uh-huh. which is a stable coin, which means mm-hmm. it's a cryptocurrency but tied to the dollar and yeah, the euro. Yeah, it's to be used. On it's Facebook one to and one, other and the idea is everyone who has a Facebook account will suddenly have a bank account. They'll mm-hmm. have a crypto account, an electronic wallet, and you can buy and sell things with Libra dollars. And to do this, he got a whole bunch of internet people together, heads of all these big companies, to be on mm-hmm. the board or whatever you want to call it, so it didn't just look like Facebook. Right. Um, the problem is what's their thing called? Calibra. 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 The problem is is that nobody it. trusts Facebook anymore right. at all. Right. Facebook has done itself so much Only damage. Worse was the dating service. I'm like, which one should we choose, right. currency or dating? Right. I mean, the problem— Maybe they'll get into nuclear energy in the world. <laughs> I mean, who knows? I mean, I think Mark's goal was to run for president, honestly. I really? think his whole goal was to take over, and it all fell apart because everyone well, you now— you take over media, and then you take over the currency, well, yeah, the it, army. It, but the problem is, is that no one wants to trust Facebook with their money. You right. don't want them in your wallet. I believe if Amazon had launched yes. this instead of Facebook, Agreed. it would have been a huge success. I and agree. suddenly everyone and their mother Apple. would be using crypto. Yeah. Apple could pull it off as well. Facebook is the absolutely wrong company to attempt to pull this mm-hmm. off. And we're seeing it all fall apart. I mm-hmm. mean, I don't know that Libra actually ever gets off the ground. Maybe it will. I mean, Mark's shown us wrong many, many times. Right. But everyone's backing out of it. Um, and, and the, the concept c- is a payment system, essentially. It's he, essentially he a, it more of a like you – buy like Uber or you use Libra mm-hmm. for Uber or use and then they have partners like that who right. stayed into it. Let's not right. talk about Uber. Right, right. right. That's a whole other story, yeah, right? Yeah. Or, uh, London's calling. Um, so the, the idea is to make this into a stable currency that we use. Yes. And, as and, opposed to a credit card and or something the, the idea is also that if Libra actually took off, it would become the dominant currency. It would. It would overnight be bigger than the dollar. Right. Because Libra is would be used by billions of people. Because of money transfers. There's some right. good to it. Again, people around Well, we the live world. on the internet. We all right. live on the internet. We right. almost do everything on the internet. I right. mean, when I look at my kids, my kids are seven and nine. Mm-hmm. My kids live on the internet. You mm-hmm. know, they're willing to go on a game like Fortnite and spend real money on a skin for their character. Yes, so do mine. And to them, that's more real than the toy I want to buy them. Sure. They would rather have something online. So the idea of Libra is going to take off, whether it's Libra or some other uh, cryptocurrency. So, yeah, it's made for the world that we actually live in. It does make sense for Facebook to do it, away from screwing with the wrinkle Other than the fact, if Facebook could show us that they're to be trusted, Mm -hmm. then I agree it works for them. Well, I think they look at WeChat and others, and they have their... 
currency yeah. being used in Absolutely. China. They have oh, no, 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 in currency. China, I mean, China's way going beyond mm-hmm. where we are. I mean, right. they're going moving much faster and faster. Right. It's just that Libra has this huge, I mean, Facebook has, and Libra have this huge PR problem. Mm-hmm. I mean, it comes right on the heels of Cambridge Analytica, of the political stuff, of yeah. the idea that there are fake ads and fake news, and suddenly they're going to have control of our wallets. So what do the Winklevoi think of this? They're like, so uh, originally, they liked the idea of an on-ramp right. because once everyone in the world has an electronic wallet, Bitcoin becomes much easier. Right. You know, once the people who would never think gold, of Bitcoin cash, are using Libra, they would say, yeah. well, what if I want to buy some Bitcoin? And there will be a way to do that. These right. things will all intersect. So that they think is positive, but they think it's hilarious that Zuckerberg is doing it. Right. They basically said, uh, welcome to the party. What took you right. so long? Right. You know, that's right. the Winklevi line. Because they've been doing this for you know, yeah. 10 years, right. and, 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 and suddenly Zuckerberg jumps in. And behind is the in. idea of blockchain, which is yes, the ability. which is something that we all kind of agree is the future of a lot of things. Mm-hmm. It's sort of this public ledger, this way of, you know, of verifying things in a public way that also has this private aspect to it. So blockchain is becoming very important in all these different fields. Mm-hmm. Now, I, you know, I'm not the person necessarily to explain blockchain mm-hmm. to anybody, but um, it's an interesting and intriguing part of the story. Crypto is definitely going to be part of our future, right. and something like Libra will happen. I think it's going to be Amazon, mm-hmm. um, but I, I, I really think that—and once Amazon does it, it'll instantly be the most successful currency in the world. I agree. I think we'll all use it because we all use for we, that. Yeah, we buy things on Amazon every day anyways, yeah. and then you'll use your Amazon dollars or whatever it is at the supermarket, and you'll right. use your Amazon dollars when you go take an Uber, and you'll use your Amazon—and suddenly— You'll be using your Amazon dollars for everything, right. and you'll realize you have no need for any other dollars. Right, right. And then everyone in the world will be using one form of currency, the Amazon dollar. Well, it's so interesting. When I was talking, you know, everyone was, like, sort of banging away at Trump. I'm like, these political ads is where the power is. It's the money. These companies mm-hmm. is who have—they're going to get into healthcare. They're going to get into all kinds all of things. Of that's yeah. So talk a little bit about in that idea that one of them—and it, it, Facebook is trying to do this first and has stepped out first— mm-hmm. When the movie the Social Network came out, as you said, it helped Mark. You're thinking of doing – this will be a book, a, a, movie. a movie. Yeah, Bitcoin Billionaires will be a movie. I mean, right. Columbia is set to distribute it and we have sort of private money behind it and um, it's going to be a really – Interesting story because in some ways, you know, it's not the sequel to The Social Network, but it is the second act for the twins. And it's also about sure. this new form of money Army that's Hammer going to affect. Back. I would love to get Army back. I think Army was amazing. Call Me um, By Your Name has a sequel, too. He could just he, he could keep doing these things. I know we, we've reached out to Army about right. it, and uh, I think he'd be amazing. Um, yeah. You know, he's a phenomenal actor, and he's only grown as an yeah. actor. Um, but I, I've always thought he was one of the best. And he's a really great guy. I would yeah. love to see Army at it. Yeah. But we'll see. There's others, you know, that could also play the part. You right. know, one of the Chris's, the many Chris's out the Chris's. there. Um, you have to be big and blonde. I think uh-huh. that's pretty much the only requirement to yeah. be a, a Winklevi twin. Right. Um, and no, uh, Hammer really got them, I have to say. What? Having met both, I haven't yeah. met Army Hammer, but he got them. Yeah, I mean, he he, yeah. he really filled it out well. With I mean, Jesse he, like, now, would you it was do, just Army's head on one of them. Remember, the, it was Army one body, and then right. it was Army's head so on So with all body. this happened with Facebook, would you do a sequel? To yeah, the, so there's so been, been a lot of talk. a sequel So I've thought about it. So there's been a lot of talk about a sequel to The Social Network. And Aaron Sorkin and Scott Rudin have both Aaron sort of— Sorkin was the writer. Aaron Sorkin wrote the movie, and Aaron um, has been talking a lot about the idea of doing a and sequel to The Social Network. And he just wrote a big essay in the New York Times slapping Wrote a big op-ed. I think, you know, I liked his op-ed a lot in some ways. I mean, he was basically saying— Listen, uh, if if you could just make things up, we would have had the Winklevi twins create Facebook. Right. My only concern with that, number one, I do think the Winklevi twins probably did create a lot of what mm-hmm. led into Facebook. I also think that the reason the movie didn't get sued also was because there was already a book out and mm-hmm. that we didn't get sued in the book. Um, but listen, I think that a sequel to The Social Network works because so much you know is yeah. going on with him in front of Congress 
is a great starting place to right. a movie. Right. Um, yep. Because the way he acted, the way they didn't understand even what to ask him mm-hmm. um, was really intriguing. Not the last one. The girls did. They did. They went the after ladies good. Did. Right. They did. Um, but it's this kind of generational thing going on. There's this real moment going on where technology has reached the point where you need to be smart and you need to understand the world we actually live in. Like, for instance, the idea of breaking up Facebook. It doesn't make any sense to me. And calls for that, I think, are not understanding what Facebook is and the role it has in our lives. Well, that's interesting. I um, thought you would say yes. No, I don't believe you should break up Facebook because all that's going to happen is you're going to develop another Facebook. I mean, mm-hmm. these things, if we're not all on it, it doesn't work. Right. So either we're all using Facebook or none of us are using Facebook. There's no this Facebook and that Facebook and that Facebook. Mm-hmm. It has to be one thing. The problem is is that I think Mark is wrong when he says it's not his responsibility for what's on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Facebook has to be run by people who are responsible for everything that's on Facebook. Right. So you do – I do believe that Facebook – ought to have all of us on it. I think the general idea of it being this Mm -hmm. village we all live on and makes our lives better is a good thing. Mm -hmm. The idea that you know who's talking to you. The problem with Twitter, and listen, I use Twitter all the time and I love it, it's it's a cesspool because Mm -hmm. it's anonymous and people are just putting their worst instincts out on the world. Mm -hmm. Uh, Facebook is different in that you're supposed to know who's talking to you. And I think that brings out better things. So, So what would it be? What would be the title of this well, I think it could be still Facebook. Oh, you're the movie? or yeah, the, the movie. I'm the just... movie. It's a great – you know, I have definitely in the last week or two started thinking about doing another book mm-hmm. um, because – you know, called I, The Purge. I, I call it The Purge. The Purge. You know. <laughs> the, the Purge, the fall of Facebook. I think there's a lot of ways you could go with this. But I don't know. There have been a lot of books written about the Cambridge Analytica. There's yeah. books about the different instances. What I'm most intrigued about – is where Zuckerberg is now and how he's facing all so of this. So who are the characters? Um, so Mark Zuckerberg is definitely a central yeah. character, if there right. was it. Um, I think that, uh, you know, sh- I-, I think that Cheryl is an amazing character. Yeah. Um, so I went to college with her. We were classmates oh, okay. in- at Harvard. We were the same year. And when The Social Network came out, you know, she wasn't in love with what we did. No, she was not. <laughs> she was not happy about it. Yeah, there was it. that the, the, the anecdote that R- Aunt Sorkin. Right, right. She said, I've "How could you do this that. to a kid I've, or whatever?" I've heard her say that. Yeah, I've heard her say that too. But then I ran into her at my reunion, and um, oh, and at awkward. first I thought this is going to be very awkward. Yeah, no, she's super. But smooth. then she came up to me and she said, "You know what? We hated you for a while, and then we took a busload of employees and saw the movie. They did, and we ended up embracing it to some extent. Mm-hmm. And she and I got along very well. Her husband at the time, who sadly passed away, mm-hmm. was a wonderful guy." Really he was true. a fan of my books and had read a lot of my books he and spent time. He was a really smart guy, wonderful. And I like Cheryl. I think Cheryl's really smart, and I think she was the adult in the room. But she got caught up in a very bad situation because Facebook mm-hmm. was dealing with a lot of bad things and went about it wrong. Right. And so I think she is now – my theory is she's trying to get out from under. You probably know more than I do. Mm. I think her plan – was to run for president also. And I think she had a way to get there. I'm not there. sure about that. But she yeah. wrote a great book. She was moving forward and becoming one of the most respected women in business, mm-hmm. one of the most powerful women in business, then gets caught up in this all this dirt. Mm-hmm. And now you don't hear a lot mm-hmm. because she's got to stay quiet and try and get out from under it. Yeah. Um, so she should come and tell me her story. Okay. <laughs> she's not going to do <laughs> no, that. No, of course not. But I think she needs to get out from Facebook. Yeah. She needs to get out from Mark Zuckerberg. She, and she needs to get away ago. from all of this and yeah. restart um, being the powerful person that she is. So what happens to this? Okay, you've got – what happens well, Zuckerberg to Zuckerberg is this dark tendril now. I mean right. everything he touches is full of hatred. People are so angry about yeah. this. Is that and, fair, and, Ben Meserich? Um, I think it's absolutely fair now. Mm-hmm. I think that he could have handled things differently. Mm-hmm. I think there's there, there were ways out 
uh, that he didn't take. So what, what should he do now? What, what he should do now is he should say, first of all, we're going to make every effort we can to be a media company because mm-hmm. that's what we are. Mm-hmm. And we are going to police the media on this site because yeah, you can't just have garbage all over the place. Mm-hmm. You can't run a publishing house and publish garbage all day long and well, not yes, have – Well, you can. But you have – well, they've Facebook never done better from though. a stock where they're over 200. They're doing – killing it in the – uh, Listen, the, it's not about that though. And we, I mean I have kids. Not. You have kids. People who have kids who look at Facebook should feel fear because our kids are growing up in a world where they're mm-hmm. going to live a large percent of their life online mm-hmm. and they're going to be fed stuff targeted at – the whole idea of targeting right. anything at you is horrific to me. Yep. Ads should not be targeted. Right. There's something very, very wrong with them. Behavioral targeting. Right. Running an analysis on what it is you like mm-hmm. and then attempting to send things to you because they claim it makes your experience better. Right. The reality is it does not make your experience better. Mm-hmm. It makes the world worse. Right. And targeting political ads is just one piece of that. Mm-hmm. Nothing should be targeted at you ever. And the whole idea of targeting politics, news stories, because you might want to see them, mm-hmm. it's ruining the world because mm-hmm. it's creating these little political silos, these little personal silos, these echo chambers. Well, did you listen to Mark's speech recently? At, um, I, I heard, you know, I read and saw I was pieces there. of it. I mean, what specifically, I mean, I, I you know, the Sorkin and his response to Sorkin and this mm-hmm. and that. He it was has, a D speech. Yeah. I it mean, was really thin. It he was has to be actually the, Jack's Seven just, tweets were more substantive. Right. Uh, but I think what they're saying they're doing is, is a better response, mm-hmm. is that the reality is if it's going to be in my life all day long, if I'm going to live on your website, you have to have responsibility for what you're showing me. You mm-hmm. absolutely do. You can't show me lies. You can't show me things that well, you think I want to see. Go back to your original see. book. Why is it continuing that way? Because Mark has full control over it. It's continuing that way because – it shifted from this revolutionary idea that will make the world a better place mm-hmm. to something that makes a lot of money that he believes should be in all our lives. I think he bought the idea that targeting things at us makes our lives better. Mm-hmm. And I disagree with that idea. Right. I don't think that had anything to do with the origins of Facebook. There was mm-hmm. no targeting. That came much later. Mm-hmm. The idea was we would have this village and you could live on this village and we're all going to get to know each other because we're all verified. The verification was a big part of what made Facebook, right? right. Everyone right. had to have their Harvard EDU to join that site, mm-hmm. which, by the way, according to the Winklevi twins, came from the Winklevi twins. Mm-hmm. Their mm-hmm. site needed a Harvard EDU, and right. that's something that Mark right. used on Facebook. But that was brilliant. If we know who we're talking to, it's not a bot. It's not some Russian and agent. Yet the, it's not something But then the service us. got manipulated, really. It got manipulated because they changed. They, they started targeting. They started allowing Fakes. How many How many people on Facebook are real? Mm-hmm. You know, there's been lots of talk about what's fake on Facebook, what's real on Facebook. Right. There should be nothing fake on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Every single person on Facebook should be a person. So what, and that they can control that. What they to, absolutely can control what to, that. What happens? Where do you see if this Well, movie I think he's going to have to pull in this direction. Mm-hmm. I really do. If Facebook is going to survive, and, and listen, financially they can grow and grow and grow and grow. But if it's going to survive and not have a competitor that takes it out, it's going to have to go back to that idea that everyone you see on Facebook Facebook is a real person, is interacting with you in a real way. There can still be ads, but ads like we used to get on television. Right. You watch the TV, and there's ads on it. So if you had to pick what the competitor is, like if you're thinking right. of finding— oh, Where are we right now? now. I, I, it's so funny that so many people say, I'm leaving Facebook. I'm just going to be on Instagram. Right. Right? It's the same thing. <laughs> but so many people say that, right? It's the same thing. I don't think there needs to be or, or is going to be necessarily a competitor that takes out Facebook. I think eventually Zuckerberg will see the light and start making the changes he needs to make. Mm-hmm. I mean, as I say, I've always believed Mark is somewhat megalomaniac. I think he believes he's right and everyone's wrong. But eventually, 
there will be a moment where he realizes he's destroying himself. When he realizes the world hates him. Did you listen to the last interview I did? No, it's it's not there yet. Yeah. He's not there yet. But at some point, the sheen is going to go away and the emperor is going to, you know, realize he's naked and everyone's going to – you don't think so? I'm optimistic. I I, mean, I finally got Sasha Baron Cohen to do it. I mean, I wrote, welcome to the resistance. I mean, that's pretty – and and that was pretty pretty cool. That was was. very, very cool. But, you know, he's getting whacked again because what's interesting is is, is linking it around free speech in a way that free speech should have no consequence. And I'm like, it Mm -hmm. always does. And you have to think harder. My whole point, Mark, is not that – he shouldn't create these things. It's that he has to think harder about the implications of what he's creating. Right, right. And that there's a wide delta. I think the thing that bothered me about the speech and being there was one that people couldn't ask questions, but that's another mm. just a, annoyance, um, was that there was either free speech or China, no free speech. And right. I was like, there's so much there's in so between. There's so much in between. Right? right? Right. And it was fascinating. I, th- I was thinking, you know what? He's trying to convince himself that this is okay. That's right. when I finally came to the conclusion. He wasn't really trying to convince anyone else. He was trying to come up with an intellectual justification for what he was doing when he didn't have the intellect to do so. Right. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, you're absolutely right. And I think— And I don't mean to say he's not smart. It's different. No, he's very, very smart. I just right. think he—the idea that you can step back from the responsibility, the idea that, you know, you can say, okay, free speech, it's not my problem— or and you're in everyone's house and on everyone's phone all day long, and they're living on your world. You can't step away. You well, have. Isn't to that what your them. original book was about? Stepping away from responsibility. You mean in terms of? Yeah, that your book was. Accidental billionaires was about that. Was about who? Like, Just taking cutting corners, doing those kind of things. You mean how he did that? Yeah, yeah that's who he is. I mean, mm-hmm. and if you look at the IMs that, and so in Bitcoin billionaires, I actually put all of those horrible IMs. Oh yeah. Um, Mark Let's has be fair. some. He was real, about eighteen or nineteen. You know what? But what was he talking about? He right. was talking about Facebook, and he was right. talking about the company he was building that we are living in today. Right. And he said, I like to live my life unethically but legally. Yeah. I like to, I'm going to fuck them in the ear. Right. I'm going to lead the Winklevite twins on and I'm going to fuck them over. And he said these things specifically in his own words. Now, mm-hmm. you can say, okay, he was 18 years old. Right. Whatever age, he wasn't 18 years old, mm-hmm. he was whatever. He created this company then, the mm-hmm. company yeah, that the we're DNA all dealing with today. Yeah. Yeah. It was built on that. So what, let me finish Those are the saying, pillars ha- of Mark Zuckerberg. I have two more questions. What has to happen to change that? Well, I think either Mark, I mean, it's got to be Mark because he's not going to step down and let someone else take over that company. No. No. I think he needs to realize that this isn't going to work anymore and that he has to take responsibility for what is on Facebook. He has to be the one who sets forth and said, I'm going to make sure that we're not lies and we're not targeting crap at you and that your kids are going to grow up in a world where they're getting the right information you know, the right way and that the, everyone who's on Facebook is a real person. I think that's the first thing he should do mm-hmm. is every single person on Facebook is a real person. Yeah. There's nothing on there that's not real. Yeah. Why not do that? Why is that so hard? It's not hard. Ben. It's not hard, right? Yes, it is. It's you actually hard. Is it? I, I mean, okay, I, there's, I there's technology involved, but don't you don't think he can do that? No, because I think it's cult-like around him. I think if you look at the people around him, But what good. would be wrong with that? Nothing. I mean, if every person that you every saw on Facebook was a checks. real person, I, listen, then I'm, when they I'm said something to you, anonymous. you have the person. I'm then, against anonymous. And that allows everyone has, everyone has to take responsibility for what they say on Facebook. I think, I guess, and I'm accepting, say, countries where there's danger, like yeah. Hong Kong or things like that. That's what they try to do. They say, but in Hong Kong, I'm like, yeah, but United States, you can. Yeah, but that's, they could do the United States version, right? You're yeah. right. You could do a country of country. And that, that's the thing about free speech. You know, it's absolutely true that free speech is a great thing. We should all have it. But you have to be responsible for your well, free speech. I think we all feel and, that way. And we all feel so, that way. And 
this would be the answer. Let me finish up by asking, if you had to pick an area, so you, you dealt with yeah. social media or on it, Bitcoin, right. what area would you pick now? Yeah, I mean, that's— you the, weren't, you So know, I'm staying out of politics. As, right. uh, it's not my beat, and right. unless uh, Hunter Biden comes to me and wants to tell his story, right. he'd be my character. Oh, you know? really? Oh, Why? Yeah. Because I Hunter love the Biden? guy who stumbles into it, yeah. who's suddenly in the center He's of everything. That's what I love. And so much has happened in his life. There's a great thriller in Hunter Biden's life. But anyways— Barring that, politics is probably not my beat. Um, you know, we're so politics-obsessed right now that mm-hmm. I can't imagine putting out a book in the next year. Right. Um, but I don't know. I don't think the Bitcoin story is done yet, and so I'm uh, the movie is going to be the way I continue that story. Mm-hmm. I don't really know what's next. I don't have my next book, That'd and so I'm hoping one finance. of your listeners comes. You know, most of my books come from people pitching me. Pitching Someone you. finds me on Twitter. Is there one technology you're like, oh, that's interesting? I think— Bezos and Amazon would be a story that I would write, um, but I would need access to something there that, you know. No, no, no. Right, exactly. You may not have that. Of course not. Um, I, I think, you know, he's 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 definitely the moment of our times. I love space. I love Elon Musk. I know there's been a Musk book, but I think he's fascinating. He is. Um, I love these fascinating outsized characters, mm-hmm. um, but I also am always looking for something that's going to last you longer. Is truck thing? Yeah, the truck is cool, right? I don't know what that was, but it was cool. When he threw the metal yeah. ball at Listen, I'm a fan of Tesla. Didn't... I don't even know why that's a controversial thing, but I'm a fan of of him being Charlie and the Chocolate Effect. Let him just make his crazy stuff. Mm-hmm. Let him make his tunnels and his flamethrowers and his space cars. I want to see it because I want to live in that world yeah. too. And I wrote a book about George Church. Um, mm-hmm. oh, I don't know if you know George, no. but George Church is the Einstein of our times who's mm-hmm. making a woolly mammoth. I wrote a book called Woolly mm-hmm. about this Harvard lab that is making a oh, woolly yeah, mammoth. And he's a geneticist who is also working on extending our lives to 150 years, and and he's also working on, um, you know, fixing the environment with this algae that eats carbon and makes wood. So I'm really obsessed with scientists who are trying to change the world. That's great. It's always hard to sell a book about science because the general public just you know, see science and glazes over. Mm. But I'm still fascinated by genetics. I did write a book called Wooly about that, but I think there's more to be said about living forever. I think that's a great story. Mm. Peter Thiel's involved in that is from the finance side. I've always said that the world is going to be saved by a billionaire married to a scientist. That's the future that wow. I think, you know, we get out of our environmental problems. We get out of our health problems, cancer. All of these things are going to be solved by a billionaire married to a scientist, which, yeah. by the way, is what Zuckerberg is. Um, but in reality, when you put large amounts of money and these outsized egos who believe they can do anything mm-hmm. together with someone who actually knows how to do things, you do change the world. Yeah, you do. You said it was a great story in the New York Times about those bubbles that go down to the bottom of the sea. It's all billionaires buying them. Of course, yes. Right? Same yeah. thing with space. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Although the idea of like, so I don't fear climate change at all. I have to tell you, I'm one of these people oh, really? who's so optimistic about it because I've gone to all these Tell lectures. Gates and, and these scientists come in and they all have these incredible ways of fixing it. Now, some of them are completely crazy and might kill us yeah. all. But every now and then, one of them seems very smart. And all it's going to take is the right scientist and the right billionaire, and it's all going to go away. Right I really scientist. think so. I'm a big fan of that. <laughs> right, so that's, my, that's the future. That. Yeah. All right, Ben, I'm excited to see the next movie. I'll take Mark with me. Thank you. And you know what? I want, I want to say you're a, you're a legend. And I, thank I, you. I, being able to sit down with you is something I've thank wanted to do you. for a decade. I'm so. a fan of yours also, and thank you so much for coming on the show. You can follow me on Twitter at Kara Swisher. My executive producer, Erica Anderson, is at Erica America. My producer, Eric Johnson, is at Hey Hey ESJ. Ben, where can people find you online? Um, I'm on Twitter at Ben Mesrick or BenMesrick.com or, you know, any other regular places. Yeah, and actually, I would recommend people read The Accidental Billionaires. Go back and read it. It's a really well-written book. It's very funny, oh, actually. I really appreciate that. Um, and The Bitcoin Billionaires is also well-written. It's very funny. And I 
I'm gonna, I have this instinct to call the Winklevi again. Uh, they are. They're genius. I tell you one. Sit down with the Winklevi, and it'll change your view I of the Winklevi. They are brilliant, and uh, I, I think they're American icons. Yeah. I really do. I think that guys like the Winklevi are changing the world for the better. Yeah, I think when people are too good looking and tall and. Well, that's the thing. I grew up a nerdy guy, and I looked yeah. at the Winklevi, and they terrify me. But, <laughs> you know what? If they were running Facebook right now, I don't think we'd be running into these issues. Oh, that's true. But if they had invented Facebook, they would have invented Facebook. Oh, well. <laughs> you know, read Bitcoin Billionaires. Maybe it changed your mind. That was in the movie, The Social Network. That was my dramatic reading. I should win an Oscar. If you like this episode, we'd really appreciate it if you shared it with a friend. And if make sure to check out our newest podcast, Reset. Just search for it in your podcasting app of choice or tap the link in the show notes. Thanks also to our editor, Joel Robbie. Thanks, special thanks to WHRB at Harvard University for hosting us. This is the only thing I could get into at Harvard, just so you know. Thank you for listening to this episode of Recode Decode. I'll be back here on Monday. Tune in then.